If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open to Ephesians chapter 3. That'll be our passage this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Probably a familiar passage to you, as you'll see when we read it together. But uh, to begin, I want to ask a question. This is maybe the stereotypical conundrum that you've maybe heard before. But sometimes people will ask the question, can God create a rock so heavy that he can't lift it? I don't know if you ever heard that question. It's probably a favorite amongst high school teenagers who are just trying to come up with random questions to stump the uh, youth pastor. But it's an interesting question, and it really gets at the power of God. And uh, just in case you ever hear it asked, here's the answer to that question. You, you answer it like Jesus did, and you ask another question, and you say, is infinity greater than infinity? Because that's really the question, what the question is about, right? And uh, if you're a math person, you know how infinity works, infinity minus infinity, things like that. But really, that question is getting at the, the power of God, the ability of God, right? And we have questions, even if it's not in such a, you know, trite uh, phrase like that question. We, we have questions about the power of God. What is he able to do? And maybe we don't doubt it in fact, but we wonder, uh, is God... If God's able to do so much, why is he not doing it? Sometimes we ask those questions, right? And so this passage this morning reminds us of the power, the ability of God. So let's read together from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. The word of the Lord says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May God bless the reading and the teaching of his word this morning. And so, you may be familiar with this passage. I've read it, I think, at the end of every uh, church service since we've been going through the book of Ephesians because it is the the doxology of this book. And here we're kind of in a transition. Paul's winding down the first three chapters and he's transitioning into the next three chapters of the book. The first three chapters really talk about these heavy uh, doctrines and understanding of God. And the next three chapters are going to talk about a lot of application. What does it mean now that we know these things? How should we Live And so these verses are very much connected to what Paul's been writing about so far in this letter. Because you can go back and you can see that Paul's already said things that God has done that have been, been beyond what we think about or what we might expect or ask. So for instance, in chapter 2, he writes about how God has made the Gentiles part of the one people of God. Right? That was a mystery. No one was considering that. No one was thinking about that. God still did it. Or you could look just a couple verses back where it talks in verse 
19 of chapter 3 about the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Right? That, by definition, is something beyond what you can think. And yet, this is still what the love of Jesus is like. In other words, our, our ability to think it doesn't limit God's ability. He is far beyond our capacities or ability. That's what it means for him to be God. He has that kind of power and ability. And so when we read this passage, we're, we're reminded of a great truth. Because we ask God for things, right? We, we pray to God. And think about some of the things we ask for, right? We pray for, for healing. God, help me to, uh, to get through this congestion, this cold, this flu, whatever it may be, or the more serious uh, illnesses, right? And we pray for those things. And God is able to not only answer those prayers, there's nothing wrong with praying for those prayers. We're supposed to cast all our cares upon him. But he's able to do more than that. He is able to go above and beyond that. He's able to raise us from the dead and make us alive with him where we will live forever without any sickness or death or pain. And we will always enjoy his goodness. He is able to do more than we ask. Right? We ask and we pray for family. We pray God to save them. We pray for God to give them wisdom and help them grow in maturity. God's able to do more than that. He's able to not only save them, but to make them and us a part of the eternal family of God. And what is that family like? That family has perfect unity, perfect harmony, encouragement, love, and it will be eternal forever. And God is able to do more than we ask or think, even when it comes to that prayer. When we, when we pray to overcome sin, the sin in our lives, the struggles, the, the trials to make it through, God's able to not only help us overcome those temptations and trials, but he's able to do more than that, right? He's able to make it so that all sin is eliminated from the world, so that we no longer have to go through the temptations and the trials, but we also live in a world where there's no more brokenness because of sin. God is able to do that, and he's going to do that. You might have noticed, not only is he able to do more, he's going to do more. And we see those promises about the new heavens and the new earth. And so sometimes you'll hear pastors or preachers ask the question, I think is a good question, if God answered every prayer that you prayed in the last seven days, what would be different? Right? That's a good question to ask, to remind us to pray, right? How many people would be saved if God answered every prayer of ours from the last seven days? How many people would be Christians? What would happen in the life of our church? How would life change if God was answering these prayers? And we remember that we pray to God because he has this ability. He really does have the ability to answer our prayers, and he can do more than that. But the amazing thing about these verses is not just that God answers our prayers, but the amazing thing about these verses is God does more than what we pray. So in other words, even when we don't think of what to pray, 
You know, we should, we should always be praying bigger. I think we talked about that last week, right? We can pray bigger. God is big, and he can do amazing things. But even when we don't think to pray those prayers, even in we, when we don't know to pray those prayers, God is still going to do more than we ask or think because that's who he is. He's simply just overflowing with goodness and mercy and love, and he is going to do more abundantly than anything we ask or think. And that is, that's an encouraging thing because sometimes we don't know what to pray, right? We read this in scripture. We don't know what to pray, and the Spirit helps us in that. Sometimes we don't know the right words. We don't even know what might be best to pray about the situation. We just know we need God to do something. Well, God's able to do more than we can put into words, more than we ask, more than we think in those situations. He will still be at work even when we cannot put it into words and ask him. Right? That's a good thing. And we know from from verses like Romans 8.28 that not only will he be at work doing more, but he'll be at work doing good to those who love him. And so God's able to do more than we ask, more than we think, and he is using that power. That power is being used for our good. And so more than we ask, more than we think, God is always able and doing things that are good for us beyond what we can imagine. And that's really, I mean, that's really good news about Christianity. Christianity is full of good news. This is part of it, that God is able to do more than we ask or think, and he is doing more than we ask or think for our good. So even when we, uh, when we don't know what to pray, when we don't have the wisdom of what to pray, God is at work. He's doing more. And that's that's our privilege as a Christian. We get to experience that because we're a part of the, the family of God. Jesus bought that for us on the cross. When he died in our place for our sins, he removed the punishment of sin from us. He took our place on the cross, right, and forgives us. And he gives us his righteousness. We become united with Jesus. We become a, a part of the family of God. And because we have that relationship, now God has that, uh, that attitude towards us, that we are his children, that he is always going to be doing good towards us and more than we ask or think. And that is good news. That's good news for us to remember. That's good news that we can share with other people, that sometimes, you know, it just seems like life is against us. Things stack up one upon another upon another. And it really just seems like we can't catch a break sometimes. But we remember the truth of the scripture that that's not the final word, that God is actually doing, working for our good and doing more than we can ask or think. Even when we can't see it in the moment, even when it doesn't seem like it in the moment, that he is doing that. He really is at work with this kind of power. And these verses remind us he's not just at work out there, right? His power is not just working in the circumstances around us, but his power is at work inside of us. Through his Holy Spirit, his, he's at work in us. This is his power, not just to work in the universe, but the power of God is inside of us, 
right now through his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, what is he doing? He is transforming us into people who have the character of God so that we grow and grow more and more to to act like God, to imitate God. Because think about this. God is doing more than we ask or think. You remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, right? If, if someone asks you to go one mile, the situation would have been a Roman soldier. He says, carry my armor for a mile. Well, Jesus said, instead of just one mile, go with him two. Right? That's essentially what this passage in Ephesians is saying. Do more than they ask or think. Go above and beyond expectations. That's, that's part of the character of Christians, what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. God is doing this. He's doing more than we ask or think. He has the ability to do that. So as we are able, we do more than people ask or think. And so we can think about what this mindset would mean in in work situations, in family situations, all kind of settings, right? If Christians are the kind of people who, who add value even when it's not in their job description. Uh, Christians are the kind of people who are considerate uh, of family members, even when it's not their normal role of things that they usually do, right? That this is what we are like, and that, that attitude of doing more than people ask or think, that stands out. That will stand out the more we are able to do that. And as it stands out, people don't just look at us and think, hey, what a great person they are. People see a glimpse of the glory of God shining through us. And as Peter said, people will see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. And uh, I think it's important to remember that as we think about this, there's kind of a key qualifier in that, right? We're supposed to have this attitude of doing more than people ask or think. But God is able to do more than we ask or think. In the same way, when we're able, we do more than people ask, might ask, or think. So in other words, sometimes we're not able to do more than is asked of us or more than people might expect, right? Uh, For various reasons. Maybe we don't have the time because of other commitments. Maybe we don't have the physical ability Right? There are all kinds of limitations that we have in life, and we remember we don't have infinite power like God. And that's okay. That's actually a good thing. It keeps us humble. It reminds us that we don't rely on our own strength. We rely on God. But when we're able, sometimes we're not, but when we are able, this is the Christian attitude. How can I do more good and bring more value to the table? And really, that's part of the great thing about being a part of the church, right? Because it's not just dependent on me individually. What can I do? If I don't have the ability, then uh, what's going to happen? But as we're a part of the church, maybe I don't have the ability or opportunity to do this one thing. Maybe you don't have the ability or the opportunity to do this one thing, but other people in the church do. And so maybe individually, If you look at us, we can't do everything, but collectively we can be the kind of people who are doing more than is asked or thought. Uh, We we help bear each other's burdens, and uh, one part of the body is skilled in this area, and another part of the body is skilled in another area, right? 
And so we collectively are able to imitate God in this way. That we can do more than is asked or thought of us. And the great thing is that even when we don't have the ability, when we can't go above and beyond, though we may want to, we remember that is what God is like. He has that ability. He is always doing that. And it reminds us how amazing he is, how far above us he is. When we have limitations, we remember the greatness and the exhaustible, inexhaustible ability of God. And so that's what Paul is focusing on in these verses, right? He's focusing on the ability of God, and he can't help but just break out into praising God and saying glory to God for his ability, because his ability surpasses everything that is imaginable. Paul has been, for three chapters, he's been thinking about the, the character of God. He's been thinking about Jesus and what Jesus has done on the cross and the grace that he's given us. And really, it just leads him here at the end of this section to break out into praise, to sing a doxology to God. And it's a reminder to us that, well, a couple things. One, Paul is just fulfilling what's, uh, what God has said in the book. Right? We remember God's purpose for everything is that he would receive glory. We saw that back in chapter 1. We see that throughout the first three chapters. That everything is for the glory of God. Well, here Paul is. He's focusing on what God is like. He's thinking about Jesus. And now he's giving glory to God. It's as though he's, he's actually doing what is part of God's plan, right? Which is a reminder as we think about God, as we think about what Jesus has done and we give glory to God, that's part of God's plan. We're actually being a part and fulfilling his plan. That's what his plan is about. It's about worship. But it reminds us of another thing, right? We see this principle modeled for us in the, the first half of this book and really throughout the book. And we, we pray for, here's, here's the model, we, we pray for help to understand more and more about God. We think about what he is like, and then we worship him for what he is like. So in other words, it's about worship. Our, our study of God, our study of the Bible, should always lead to worship. This is not just something that Paul is telling us so we can know. It's not just something that he's learning about so he can know and be able to explain to people. This causes him to be amazed at God and to worship God. So whenever we study the Bible or we're reading it or we're part of a Bible study or if you're the teacher or you're preaching, then our goal is not just to communicate some facts so that we know more about God. That's only part of it because we not just want to know the facts. We want to be amazed at God. We want to see how lovely he is because of what he is like, and that should lead us then to, to worship him. And so when we're, when we're reading our Bible in the morning, and we read through it, maybe you've got five minutes, or maybe you've got 30, however long it is, you, you read it and you hold on to what you read. You roll it over in your head, you think about it, not just until you understand uh, what it's saying, but until you get that glimpse of glory to see how good this is, 
to see the character of God shining through it so that you want to worship God because of what you've read. It leads you to see how amazing he is, to grow in love for him, right? And so even if that's just five minutes and you don't get anything for that five minutes, you, you hold on to it throughout the day. You keep thinking about it throughout the day. That's what meditating on God's word is, right? And we think, well, what's the importance of this? How does this lead me to worship God? And that may not be the most profound truth ever. Sometimes it's just those simple truths that lead us to worship. I was thinking about this this last week. Uh, the golden rule. School just started, and uh, even in schools, you still see this scriptural influence, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You'll see it in hallways at schools. Uh, you'll see it sent home on uh, papers uh, with, you know, kind of expectations and things like that. Well, that's a simple truth from the Bible. But the more we think about that, the more we're really just amazed at how vast that wisdom and command of God really is, how it applies to so many situations, how it really is a solution to so many things, that God is able to encapsulate something so simple, and yet it applies to, to every situation. Uh, with, the, with the kids going to school with us in every part of our life, of doing above and beyond what people might ask or think, that's really doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? This applies to so many ways, and it, it opens our mind to start thinking about really how amazing God is. That not only has he told us to do this, but he is like this as well. He's modeled this for us in what he's done in sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And so this is, uh, that's just an example, right, of how we can, we can read something and we can keep thinking about it. How does this fit into life? How can I see more of the bigness, the amazement of God in this. But all of it leads back to this, that God's word should lead us to worship. As we look at the word, as we learn about God, it should lead to worship. That it's not just knowing about his ability, but it's being astounded at his ability and praising him for it. And that's what we see Paul doing in this verse. Glory be to God because of his surpassing ability. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful that you remind us of this truth, that you are able to do far more than we ask or think, far more abundantly. That it's not just a little more than we ask, not just a little, <laughs> a nice thing that happens throughout the day, that you are in your plan for the universe and your plan for eternity, you are doing things that are far more abundant and amazing than we could ask or think. And Lord, we look forward to the completion of that plan when we get to heaven. Lord, we thank you for when we get glimpses of that right now and you remind us that you have done more than we ask or think. Even when you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us while we were still sinners, when we weren't thinking about you or salvation that you have done this for us. Lord, I pray that when we do read the Bible, when we think about your word, when we think about your truth, it would lead us to worship, that we would be people who are amazed at you, who can't help but sing about how great you are, who can't help but tell other people about how great you are, because we are amazed at you and we worship you. Lord, make us that kind of people this week, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen.